Welcome to episode nine of the Oxfordshire Teacher Training Podcast. This is the first one that we've recorded um, since uh, lockdown began um, across the country. Um, and for anybody who happens to be listening to this many years in the future, this this is being recorded in May 2020, um, when most of the world is uh, dealing with, coping with uh, the coronavirus, COVID-19. And... Um, having had uh, a wonderful episode last time around with Sam Twizzleton thinking about the um, ITT core content, um, which Sam and I recorded um, a number of weeks before we were able to put it out, um, it really did feel important that uh, we spent some time in this podcast um, returning to uh, one of our colleagues, Sally Price, um, who's our wellbeing um, officer, so that we've got a chance to really um, see, see if we can um, offer a little bit of help potentially, and certainly a, a moment for people just to be thinking about things, um, and not just our mentors, but but anybody involved in education at the moment. So welcome, F- Sally. Thank you so much for joining us. Lovely to be with you, Matthew. So, Sally, um, here, here we are. We're in a, we're in a, a situation that nobody's really ever experienced um, in living memory um, in this country. And I'm thinking maybe to start with, um, what do you think the particular challenges are for educators at this time? Well, Matthew, that's such a good question, and it's clearly one that we're grappling with. Um, I think it's interesting that, that suddenly, out of nowhere, it seems, both our timetable and our location for imparting knowledge and facilitating learning has, has been swept from under our feet, a bit yeah. like someone pulling a, bl- a carpet from under our feet. So... So we've had to adapt very, very quickly. Um, I don't know if that kind of chimes with you, but I think those two things really have meant, um, although it's brought new, exciting ways of working, it's meant a really um, kind of unexpected need for a new source of energy to be found from somewhere from each of us. And I'm astounded that our associate teachers and our mentors and colleagues have just adapted so quickly. Yeah, absolutely, and and of course, as you as you say, it's it's not necessarily that everyone's got the same challenges, and um, we'll 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 have a little think about particular um, things that might be specific to you um, as a listener um, during this this one uh, during this episode. So, um, there, obviously, there are some things that we can control, and there are some things that we can't control. So, how how do you think we can go about these kind of challenges at the moment? I think this is a, a pivotal thing, isn't it? The, the idea of locus of control, because, you know, in schools and in, in teacher education, what we're doing is um, working and supporting learners in self-empowerment and, and that locus of control, staying with them and their confidence growing is crucial to progress, really. And so I think control is, an, is a personal thing, but also it can really affect how we engage with learning communities and so um, in a recent uh, well-being video I think for our current cohort we looked at the image of um, it's a Venn diagram on the left with things you can control and on the right things you can't it's from psychology and love um, but the idea is that in the middle the best way to cope probably is to know and acknowledge that you you can be at peace whilst working with things you can control and then and you can't and I think so for example let's take some practical um notions of of washing your hands so everybody presumably washed their hands prior to this pandemic we're all adapting to doing that differently now 
So we can control, you know, as long as we've got soap, et cetera, which I know was a mad panic at the beginning of uh, the pandemic in schools. Um, as long as we've got the means, we can, we can control that. Um, things you can't control, for example, are the spread of the virus and the, and the fact that it's um, invisible and, that, and that's caused a, a great source of um, anxiety. However, once we're at peace with this new way of not being able to control everything, it, it, it can actually be quite liberating as well. There, it's, it, it's very interesting thinking about what individuals feel they can control. For example, on the right-hand side of the image we used in our wellbeing video, um, one thing you can't control is the government's response to the pandemic. I, I beg to differ because I feel that having a voice within education is really important. And I know at Oxfordshire Teacher Training, we're often asked and, and involved in consultation periods with, with new um, legislation and, and kind of grappling with how, we, how it, each school is going to respond to centralised guidelines. So I think um, so there are two things, I suppose, there. There's, there's being at peace with things that you can't control, but also thinking differently about your voice within communities as well. That's mm, uh, a really important point I think you're making there. Um, so I'm just, I'm just thinking now about, um, you know, we, we've obviously we've got, we've got these things that we can control. We've got the things that we can't control. Um, as, as educators, we've, we've been given this incredible responsibility uh, to, to try and, and keep education going for, uh, for, for children um, at this time, albeit, albeit remotely. And um, it, it, can, it can feel really overwhelming at times um, for, for anybody in education, try, trying to, to deal with these, these changes. Um, many people who um, are involved, involved in education are having to go on an incredibly steep learning curve at the moment in terms of use of technology. Um, and uh, and certainly one of the things that happened at the very beginning of the of the school closures was uh, a number of people um, hugely overestimating what what they felt they could actually um, achieve um, and, and sort of over promising with with things like this. So I'm just wondering, um, have have you got any advice for for people who are working with us um, about what happens if you do start to get to that stage um, as an educator if you're feeling overwhelmed by things. How, how would you go about communicating that to others? Um, have you got any suggestions for us? Absolutely. I think, I think first of all, communicating with yourself that, that it's okay and it's completely understandable to feel overwhelmed. Um, nobody expected us to be in this, although um, certain people predicted that this would happen at some point in our, in our humanity. Mm. Um, share, sharing concern as well is, is the most important step to feeling less overwhelmed, isn't it? And seeking support um, and in a timely manner is within the teacher standards itself, you know, standard 8B about knowing when and where to call on advice. We do a lot of work, don't we, Matthew, in our um, programmes about the, the, the importance and, and the, um, the idea that it's very healthy to have a, a series of different types of counsel or, or, or sources of support. So some professionals, some some in work, some colleagues, some peers, um, loved ones. And, and the most important person, obviously, is, is listening to the advice of, of the, the inner self, as it were. But quite often at times of challenge, what we'll need to do is articulate those concerns to somebody we trust. And it could be a combination of people at work and, and outside work. 
And just by articulating and voicing those concerns, it actually is the first step in helping us, us as ourselves processing what it actually is that's causing us to feel overwhelmed. One of the things that I've, I've found is that I'm doing an awful lot of meetings where I'm, I'm looking at a screen very intently for a very long period of time. Mm. Um, and um, the, the, advice, the advice that I was given was, um, you know, you, you've got to be realistic about this and, and think, you know, you, you need to stop. You need to make sure that you've, you, you're factoring in some pauses in, in your time of, of looking at screens. You need to be thinking about all of, all of those kind of things there. And, um, you know, for, for me, that was a really valuable piece, piece of advice about just taking that pause and thinking about that. And I think that's really a really important point, Matthew, is that the little and often approach to, to rest and work is, is so important, isn't it? And, um, you know, to prevent that feeling of, of things taking over or, or different means of communication or that concentration overload that you mentioned, really important just to, to give yourself permission to step back um, in a strange way, in lockdown, what we're finding is that we've actually got more control over when we engage with work. And, and I think children, you know, learners and you know, my children at home doing their homework electronically, to start with, they were almost getting their uniforms on every day and then sticking to the timetable. But now they've realised that they can, you know, within reason, access the work when, when it's good for them rather than sticking to the traditionally conformist timetable of actually being yeah. just in school and listening to the school bell yeah I think and we'll we'll, we'll come back to thinking about children um, at the yeah. end of this podcast yeah. um, I'm thinking I'm thinking now um, about what, what we can do in terms of um, trying to deal with with this balance between um, what let's let's call it home life and work life um, given mm-hmm. that that they're all happening happening in the same place um, mm-hmm. Um, any tips? Any tips that you've got for for people that that um, that, are, that are practical and possible, really, at this stage? I think it's really again very dependent on your own situation. You know, lots of lots of people in, amongst our working communities are in a situation where we're caring for loved ones at home as well. Um, we, we're trying to fit lots of things about our life into a very small what used to be safe space of, of not work and if at all possible having somewhere where you can shut away your work so that you can relax properly when you're not working is is crucial but not always possible um so you know even to the extent of putting a tablecloth over your work when you're not working it's i think there's something psychological isn't there about seeing work when you're when you're not working yeah um and just really, you know, whoever, you, if you're living with other people, just being mindful and, and aware of their their needs as well and, and trying to come up with a compromise where everybody can feel they do have a space where they can relax as well as a space where they can work in whatever way that, that means. Yes, and I, I, I strongly agree with what you've just said there. One of, one of the things that um, I'm... I've I've done um, over the last few weeks is is I've made made a, a very small space um, in our house where that that is my that is effectively my office that's my workspace mm-hmm. and um, as as you say you know I, I'm making sure that there's nothing in that space that um, it's you know if I want to relax and that uh, I'm trying to do that away from that space. Um, if I want to work, then I'm just making it very clear that that's that's where it is, you know. And I'm I'm lucky enough that I can 
um, close the door on on the rest of the house when I'm I'm working on on things. Um, but I know that's not always going to be the case for everybody. And it's as you say, it's just trying to make sure there's a, a clarity between that. Um, one of the things that's uh, as you say about the, the, the added flexibility that you've got um, because because of what you're going to do here. One of the things that I've I've been trying to do, and um, I can't promise that I've done it perfectly, and it's something I'm really working on at the moment, is this idea of saying to myself, well, actually, what what would my expectations be um, over over weekends? Would I be trying to make sure that I try and keep my weekends as clear as possible from work um, and and evenings and so on and so forth, just to try and and keep some sense of normality going I don't know whether that's something that you've been trying to do absolutely and you know maybe that you have a new weekend which is in the middle of the week you have to kind of adapt yeah. obviously to your own what's going on for you in your life it's interesting that I've heard a lot of people out when we're out on our daily exercise <laughs> talking about the idea you know people are starting to talk aren't they now about how things are going, how we're going to come out the other side and yeah. lots of Lots of people in our villages, and I think I include myself here, is thinking um, actually lockdown's quite a kind of retreat from the chaotic busyness of life. And I will miss that, that aspect of it when we go back to work, because we're just slow, we've slowed down. I don't know if you've seen the YouTube video called The Great Realisation. Not yet, but I find, I'll try and find it and put a link in the show notes for this one. So Wonderful. It's just a, a dad doing a, a kind of um, nighttime story to his children and it, and it's set in the future, but looking back to 2020 and they're begging him to talk about the virus story again. And it's just so beautiful the way that it's looking at the positives of this and how yeah what we can take away from it. Absolutely, absolutely. So you, you've kind of touched on on something here that um, is it's been it's been a lot a lot in the press about this. A lot of lot of talking about this in here. But um, tips for maintaining a healthy lifestyle. Mm. So we've always talked, haven't we, Matthew, about the five ways to well being. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so many schools and the NHS and lots of organisations have adopted this as a simple five step approach. So if ever you are feeling overwhelmed. Just, you know, thinking about how, who have I connected with and how, in what ways am I being active at the moment in the restricted um, lifestyle that I'm leading? How am I, um, how am I taking notice of the seasons and the, and the rhythms of the day? Um, how am I keeping learning? And how am I giving? So giving to myself and giving to others. There's lots of opportunity at the moment to, to reassess, isn't it? How, how, how our lifestyles are working and what needs to be yeah, some people are finding that they they really are able to really embrace the the positives um, from this, whether whether it be the the fact that uh, you know across across the world pollution levels are down, and so maybe it just feels better to be out outside if you can get outside for for periods of time. Um, but the flip side, of course, is that there are some people who are finding this really really difficult and, yeah. and finding it really difficult to motivate themselves. Yeah. I've been really lucky recently, Matthew. I've, um, so as part of our mental health first aid instructions remit, we've been contacted to see if we can volunteer to help with the crisis text line UK. I don't know if it was, it, there are lots and lots on there of um, support charities where, where you can reach out either through text or phone or online support if you're really, really struggling. Um, and so I've been training, I think I'm going to be doing sort of two hours a week shift, particularly they're, they're obviously expecting, for example, NHS staff to need to reach out more at the moment because of the 
psychological and emotional impact of the sharper end of what's happening to, to us at the moment. Um, and so it's really interesting to think about the notion of um, if an individual is feeling in crisis, um, irrespective of how uh, somebody listening might put their own view on that and perhaps they might think actually that's not a crisis. It, if you're feeling in crisis, then that is a crisis, isn't it? And, it, and it's, yeah. it's listening to what's going on for you and then and then with support where necessary, calming down from a, from a hot place to a, a cool calm in order to be able to engage with your inner strength, which we all have. It's just unfortunately for lots, lots of us at the moment, that's been significantly challenged. Sorry, my phone just fell on. That's okay. I've been thinking quite a lot about um, the, the way in which my, I, I, feel, I felt kind of that I've had cognitive overload at times yeah. over the last few weeks. Um, and, um, and one of the things that um, I've been thinking about is, is setting myself boundaries with things like social media or um, time in front of a screen yeah. um, or, 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 you know, as we've talked earlier about this, this idea of, of blurring the boundaries between, you know, being at home and being at work. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you've, you've been thinking much about that kind of idea of setting yourself boundaries or not. I think it's a really, obviously, we, none of us would wish this current situation, but actually it's forcing us to really pare back what we're doing and thinking what what is it that's that's key to my existence and what do I really believe in? And I think it's so easy. For example, let's take the daily briefing from Downing Street. So on one hand, it's informative and it's important, especially as educators, to keep in touch with what's happening and for families to know what the message is about social distancing, for example. But it can... Even even with yeah, subconsciously it can really start a bit sort of attrition, like to, to eat away at, at what you at your own sense of judgment and yeah. um, balance in the world. And I think you're absolutely right. I think you know, really mindfully thinking before you switch on or turn on the radio as you normally would. It's the, what you're going to consume in terms of what you hear and the content and reading the papers is not going to be normal. And I think you know, um, it's almost as if you need to treat it as you would food and drink. You know, what are you taking into yourself and what effect is it going to have mid and long term as well as that that thirst that we all have for, for keeping up to date with things because things are changing so quickly every day. Um, so just, you know, absolutely getting in touch with things like home baking again if you can or, you know, if you do have an outside space or are able to go for a walk, or just open the window and have a look at what's out there in terms of the wonderful weather that we've been yes, yeah. listening to birdsong. There was a wonderful thing on Country Fire yesterday about telling the difference between a wren and a, and a robin and a great, I think it was. But just, yeah. So Yes, I mean, I've heard cuckoos for the last couple of weeks, which I haven't heard for a while. And, uh, you know, just, just amazing, really, all the different things yeah. that are going on. Um, we, this, um, I've left one one kind of big thing till, till the end of this, uh, and it's it's something that definitely we're going to be returning to in uh, in the next episode in terms of, of uh, thinking about children, because of course as educators, you know, the, at the heart of everything that we do is about the child, yeah. um, and this this is a this is a you know, 
I don't want to use the word unprecedented because it's being used so much, but it is the word really. Um, you know, the situation that we're in at the moment is we've, we've never had anything like this before in, in living memory. Um, have you got? Let's let's really in terms terms of the of the role of of uh, initial teacher training. At the moment, we're by and large. Um, the people that we are working with, the associate teachers, um, many many of them are having very limited um, contact, direct contact with with children, children through through um, vid teaching video, um, yeah. sort of live video. But um, how how can we effectively support children, either either those that we're teaching or or potentially even the children in our own families? So I think if I take the second category of children that we may live with or within our immediate circles, I think just listening to them as much as possible is mm-hmm. <laughs> such a temptation, isn't it, to, to say the right thing as an adult to, to take their fears away. But actually um, listening, get letting them process. We spoke about articulating concerns earlier and really useful time because we're taking a step back from the busyness of life just to really support children in reassessing what what they're believing and feeling and giving them an, um, a channel for expressing what's going on for them really really hard to do but just you know modeling that and letting that come out not necessarily sitting them down staring at them and saying right tell me how you feel <laughs> that's not going to work necessarily but you know and engaging in those back to basic skills that could perhaps yeah. in cooking or um cutting in or whatever it is just letting things come out in a non-judgmental way would be useful. I think in terms of um, supporting young people in our school communities, there's, there's an amazing stuff going on. I think um, where, kid, where there are competitions and quizzes and um, opportunities for kids to express themselves and share, share what's going on for them, in a safe way that can can really help people feel connected. I know lots of schools are sending out little videos of what the site's looking like just to keep them in touch with a, a sense of reality yeah. through all this change. Um, there are some really great um, national organisations, if you don't mind me mentioning, just call them. Um, so we've spoken before, haven't we, about the Anna Freud Centre for Children and Families. Emerging Minds have got some really useful stuff um, on YouTube. You can Google them, but just about how to support children during um, spaces of isolation. Um, There's also the Mental Health Foundation Children's Mental Health Week coming up, which happens annually, but this year the theme is uh, kindness. And so looking at different fun ways of keeping active, being kind to yourself for, for half an hour a day, just to give yourself permission to do that. I think I think ultimately children are very resourceful and adapting in their own way. So perhaps holding back a bit from assuming we have the answers for them and, and letting them explore what for them all this means is probably quite yeah. a good thing to do. Absolutely. So it's been just an absolute pleasure as always to uh, sit down and talk with you, um, albeit not face to face. We hope that everybody who's listening into this um, is safe and well. And for those of you who um, are finding this all a real challenge at the moment, we hope that there's a few ideas in here that might be able to help you. Um, I'll put a link in the show notes for all of the, the different organisations and links that Sally's talked about during this, this episode. Um, in our next episode, uh, I'm going to be sitting down probably remotely, if I'm honest, um, with uh, Louise Border, one of our 
programme leaders. And we're going to be looking at uh, the Education Endowment Foundation's recent guidance report on special educational needs in mainstream schools. And um, no, no doubt we're going to be looking at that um, very much through the eyes of how that, that um, can be dealt with um, at this particular time. Um, but, uh, but Sally, thank you so much again for uh, joining us this uh, today and um, we hope that you and all of your family are safe as well. Thank you. Pleasure as always and same to you, Matthew. Thank you so much. <laughs>